A stereotype may be negative or positive, but even positive stereotypes present two problems. They are cliches, and they present a human being as far more simple and uniform than any human being is. Nancy Cress. He's kind of crazy, she's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. What is the forest? The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Silver Linings Playcast. I'm your host, Jamie Ward, and as far as I know, this is the only podcast solely devoted to talking about Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. I think it's very important that I should specify this week uh, that this is not a very special episode. I feel like I say that every episode is a very special episode, and they are special episodes, but I am not able to differentiate the specifically special episodes when I say that we have a special episode. So I just want to show to, to note that this is a run-of-the-mill episode. That being said, this is a pretty special run-of-the-mill episode because I am impressed. We have a lot of stuff to go over, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Our quote at the beginning was by Nancy Cress, a science fiction writer. She won a Nebula Award and a Hugo Award for her 1991 novella, Beggars in Spain. And won, be careful when you say that, and won Nebula Award in 2013 for Best Novella, After the Fall, Before the Fall, During the Fall. And in 2015, for Yesterday's Kin. Now, the reason I liked that quote, uh, because I th and I think that's a very important quote, uh, a quote about stereotypes are even good or bad ones are harmful to people because we really should try to see each individual for the unique, deep, and complex individual that they, we, all people are. Right? Everybody, everybody just wants to be seen for who they are and not who other people think we are based on categorical, uh, you know, nomenclature devices such as race, gender, uh, sexual orientation, uh, what country you were from. That would be related to... I mean, we don't, we don't need to go over every category that you can uh, taxonify people into. I wanted to say, though, that we have started talking about uh, stereotypes and cliches because I am going to go into all of the cliches and tropes that happen in Silver Linings Playbook, according to tvtropes.com. But first, I wanted to tell you guys, I guess this is, you got me, this is a special episode. It's a very special episode because I have gotten emails. Y'all have emailed the show. I was not checking the email because I assumed that nobody loved us. And I have good reason for that thought. And that is because I have been present when every one of these podcasts has been recorded. And they are awful. I don't even love it. I haven't emailed, so I don't know why you all have. But let's let's go to the... The mailbox and read some of our our listener emails. Listen out. You might have been one of these uh, emails. Um, let's see. Let's start off with on March 30th, 
2022. These are going in reverse chronological order because this is the most recent one I just found out. From a Mr. Nick Cassano. No, I didn't. I'm lying to get the prize. Also this. And he sent a picture. I don't have the email in front of me, so I don't know what the picture is, and I don't remember what episode that that was related to, but thank you for being honest. If you will send me another email to tell me what the prize is, we will get that prize right out to you. All right, now, on the 31st of January, 2022, I got an email from Sophia Beck, and it says, Hi, customer. Your yearly product membership for Norton Family all devices has been renewed and updated successfully. The amount charged will be available within the next 24 to 48 hours on your account profile. If you wish not to continue and ask for a reimburse, then please feel free to call our billing depth as soon as possible. You can reach us on thank you bill depth SR. I think this is a prank email. I don't think Sophie Black is a real person, and I'll tell you a couple reasons why. Uh I only know like three women in the whole world and there's only one that still would talk to me. So this email is not from her. Also, there's some misspellings in this. Uh, one, ask for a reimburse. This is verbatim, ask for reimburse. Also, I don't subscribe to Norton Family All Devices. And thank you, billing department, signed SR, but the name was Sophie Beck, so let's ignore that last email. I probably should have screened my emails a little. That is, that's why I don't read my emails. Sorry for the real, okay. January 13th, 2022, from Nick Cassano. Hello, Jamie. My name is Nick Cassano, and I'm an avid listener to the Playcast. Thank you, Nick. You said to email you about any opinions on the following statement. Rotten Tomatoes is a rating site for the movies. IMDb is a rating site for films. My opinion. Wrong. Thanks for taking time to read this email. I look forward to corresponding with you over my sizzle hot take. My best, Nick Cassano. Well, Mr. Cassano, uh, you assumed that I read your email when you wrote it because you said, thanks for reading the email, and I'm sorry I'm not getting to it until four and a half months later. So I guess, I guess ultimately you were right. The waiting game. You won, sir. Again, so far back, I don't know what that's in reference to. This is not y'all's fault. This is my fault. We are going to start being more active in checking the emails. Sometimes these might be important, and we definitely want to be in contact keeping these things up. January 3rd, 2022. Christina Criado. Hello, we provide long-lasting SEO services for quick and permanent boosts of website rankings. This means that with the help of our SEO services, our clients can achieve better results, ranking, sales, and increased traffic in the long run. Let me know if you're interested. Regards, Elka Ja. A-L-K-A-J-A-H. Which is weird because this email says it's from Christina Criado. Again, not feeling like this is a real email. I'm now starting to wonder if Nick Cassano is a real person. Okay, so we have an email dated 
30th of December, 2021. And it says it's from Kate. Your podcast sucks. Okay, that's we're not doing any more emails right now. If you have constructive things to say to the podcast, we welcome ego-boosting, constructive... No, I'm just kidding. No, I love it. I love it all. Thank you for taking the time to write to the podcast. If anybody else has any criticisms, hot takes, want to call me. You can hit us up at silverliningsplaycast at gmail.com. Really, we're so lonely at this podcast, we don't care what you send. Uh, Okay, so it looks like I also forgot to erase a little bit of the previous script, so I'm going to have to just skip over that last paragraph, because that has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today. Okay, this week, on the podcast, we are talking about film tropes from the movie... Silver Linings Playbook. And if you're not familiar, what a trope is, is it's sort of like a cliche in storytelling. It is an element, event, it is a character or characteristic, something that shows up so repeatedly in, in, in storytelling, cinema, media, that people can already anticipate what's going to happen. It's just, it's not exciting because it's not necessarily a fresh take on life. Right? Like, the first time you ever saw a movie where, uh, you know, two people that seem like they're not going to get along, and then they spend the whole movie fighting, and then they fall in love. Uh, that's, that's sort of a trope, but it's also sort of genre conventions. So you could say the Silver Linings Playbook is a trope in and of itself, but why would we do that? We're not here to <laughs> criticize it, we're here to break it down and talk about it. So these are going in alphabetical order, and these are from the website uh, tvtropes. <laughs> we tried to have a room shot, but it was a little early. It was it was like twenty seconds. Also, I just want to point out, I had Boston baked beans for the first time. Not not actual beans, candies that are sugar candy coated peanuts and I'm not sure one I come from the state of Georgia which is uh, the state known for peanuts so I'm not sure why Boston adopted uh, one lying about a product calling it a bean there is no bean it is a peanut shaped in a candy coated coating to look like a bean two I don't know why Boston would be proud of Beans. It's it's sometimes referred to as Bean Town. I don't know why. I should actually look that up. Um, I just I don't care enough in the moment. All right. Above the influence. That's trope number one. Pat resists Tiffany's solicitations because he is madly in love with Nikki. So that is a character trope where you have one character that is sort of ignoring the the romantic chemistry he has with the character because he is above the influence or or preoccupied or something. I would actually disagree that that is is a trope. I think, I'm not disagreeing that it is a trope. I'm disagreeing them calling that out necessarily in the film. I'm not sure. I think that is debatable. I think that if you break down the characters and try to decide what is 
the relationship that Pat and Tiffany have as the film develops. There are several reasons for why he might not act on the advances that Tiffany is throwing, but also I have had it posted to me by numerous people that maybe Tiffany was not throwing as romantic advances as one might think. The whole impetus for this podcast was one time I had somebody that told me when they thought the characters fell in love and said that they thought that, and I honestly, it's been so long ago, I don't even remember who it was. So if you are this person, uh, it might in fact be you, Nick, because you never agree with anything I say. But um, they suggested that maybe in the beginning, Tiffany was not actually romantically in love with Pat. Uh, she was an adult that was seeking just a genuine friend. It is, it is difficult to make good friends as an adult. Most people, and we've talked about this many times, that it's like when, when you're a child, you collect as many friends as you can. Everybody you meet, you sort of assume like, hey, we're gonna be friends. And as you get older, and as we go into little school, middle school, high school, uh, stuff like that, you become a little more discretionary in the level of attachment because you will have started to to find when a kid first runs into another kid they're like oh you're you're a person i'm a person this is all we understand of the world it's more fun to be with other people and then often and often this happens like when you change schools for the first time or somebody moves away or or there's tragic <coughs> circumstances too and and as a child without the emotional understanding of the full spectrum of feelings that you have as a person, sometimes that hurts very much. And it's, it's a very hard thing to deal with when you basically like lose a friend, lose a person in your life, lose something that's important. This is very related to uh, adult things like PTSD. I talk a lot in, in my comedy act and with the veterans group sometimes uh, and explaining to other people about veterans issues, about how having, having PTSD can often make it very difficult, or, or this, the, the events that cause PTSD can often make it very hard to, to have the, the trusting ability to have that willingness to risk emotional pain because you've experienced emotional pain. People that have lost important people develop sort of like a, a protective numbness, which says, hey, I don't want to feel good because I remember what happens instinctually when I, when I lose that good feeling. And as people get older, uh, you, you start having a harder time making friends as easily. Some people, this is very general. I'm doing exactly what I said we shouldn't do in the opening to this. I'm stereotyping. But I, this is not really saying, applying this truth to any one person it's more saying this is a generalized way that human nature works in most people. If you don't, then good, or explain what, what is different. But this is a guideline that may be helpful to people that experience or have feelings similar to this and don't understand why. You can understand that other people experience these things and develop in these human ways as well, right? So we get older and uh, the highest level of education you get is often the last time that you will ever be introduced in a community of your peers that is as large as it is, it's whatever your graduating class is. That's high school, college, uh, getting an advanced degree, 
a club, a trade school. That's, that's like the most new people, quantitatively, that you will ever be put in a group with to start an activity where you're all even. You all show up on day one. Say I went to, I, I went to EMT school after I got out of college, right? And I showed up and there's like 40 students right there. And we're all there with one goal in mind, to become an EMT. And none of us know anything about it, right? So that is 40 people that I am introduced to and we all go through this journey together of no knowledge in something to completion. After that, after the last time you go through whatever you're going to sort of learn to, to lead you into your, your vocation, there's not many opportunities in life where the average adult will run into that many people on a regular basis for an extended amount of time in which you were all peers. Many people will develop a community or a sense of family at their job or something, but you also have different relationships with everybody and it will be harder to make friends across the board because when you go to a job, people already have different levels of experience. Hopefully, you have a lot of coworkers that are nice, easy to get along with, that would be an indication of a good job. But there's gonna be a different dynamic when you show up and because so, some people take their seniority um, and sometimes they can use that as a power dynamic. Sometimes they use it as a mentoring opportunity. That's not to say that somebody who's just starting a job and somebody who's been at it can't be the greatest of friends or coworkers. I, in fact, sometimes that creates some of the strongest bonds there are. I know both ways. There are people when I started comedy who had been doing it far longer than I have. And those are some of my closest friends now within the vocation because they played a role of wanting to teach me. And learning is one of the greatest gifts in, in sort of like my, it's not exactly a love language, but like it's a really important thing. Somebody that would take the time to teach me something uh, has given a very special gift. So to me, that is a bonding thing. But to some people, that can be a very alienating thing. Some people use their, their longevity as authority, you know, and they're like, hey, I've been doing this forever, um, and you're the new, I, I do do that too, a little bit, sometimes. Sometimes the new comics come in, and I kind of like to, I'm not always the nice, I've been trying to be better. I'm trying to be nicer. You know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to follow Pat's mantra from the book, the Silver Linings Playbook. I'm trying to be kind instead of right. So that's, that's a lesson that we've learned. Excelsior. Why are we saying all this? So Tiffany's character, she's much younger in the book. I, I believe she's like 23 or 25 in the book, right? And in the movie, she's supposed to be... No, no, I had that backwards. I'm sorry I said that wrong. In the book, Tiffany is older. Jennifer Lawrence was younger than Tiffany Maxwell's character was supposed to be in the book, which actually gets addressed. I think we've talked about it when we're talking about the screenplay, uh, that there's actually the line that she has when Pat asks, how old are you? She goes, I'm old enough to have lost, to have, to have had a marriage that ended and not wind up uh, in an institution, right? And that line was put in by David O. Russell, 
to address that the character was aware that maybe she looked a little too young for how much life experience her, her movie character was supposed to have. Now I'm saying all this to, to, if you tie those two pieces of information together, right? You have a woman who has somewhat recently been through a rather traumatic experience. Her husband was killed tragically. Um, they were having relationship problems, but she becomes very guilty because it's not necessarily a case of them not being in love. There's actually a really sort of poignant backstory given to that in the book. It is briefly touched upon in the film, and we had a whole episode devoted to the character of Tommy, the tragic character of Tommy. So now you look at a person who is in their, their mid-20s and basically living living, working, uh, or I don't, I don't think there was any indication that she was holding a job, but she was hanging out, like doing basically different art things. In fact, the character is written so well because she's exhibiting a lot of characteristics of somebody who has gone through uh, an emotionally traumatic experience because she's sort of doing, doing what she can to survive, but putting a lot of her efforts into sort of creative outlets to try to and, and this part might be just debatable or, or people do it for different reasons, but, you know, like either to distract themselves, to rebuild themselves, maybe just, maybe just to ease their mind while they're thinking of that, right? So now you have a person, and I, and I, think, I think we can make the generalization about humanity. It might not be specific to every single person, but generally, people need people. Socialization tribesmanship is sort of on that updated uh, I'm not sure if it's on Maslow's actual hierarchy of needs but I think that there have been updated um, sort of anthropologic charts of the needs of what a human person needs to to survive and one of the huge emotional social needs is that we need a type of companionship, human attention. It does not have to be a romantic partner, but but generally people do not like being alone. If you have read the book Tribe by Sebastian Younger, he addresses the phenomenon of how we are ironically in one of the most connected times in history. We have the, the most access to communicate with the most people from the most places faster than we ever had at any time in history. And yet more people report being, uh, feeling lonely, isolated, and less connected to those people. It's just this, this sort of thing uh, about like too much is a good thing. Now I was introduced to sort of more information about this. That was really fascinating. Uh, Katie and I listened to a podcast called Mysterious Universe, which is absolutely fantastic. If you're interested in basically anything that is, it's it's hard to describe too because the scope is way beyond. So. The first thing I would want to categorize the podcast as is sort of like uh, paranormal, sci-fi, scientific, uh, extraterrestrial phenomenon, but it, it covers 
just like science sometimes in the last episode, which we didn't even listen to that much of, but we learned one of the podcast hosts is, is a chemist. Um, they, they talk about politics, like often from a conspiratorial standpoint, but, uh, you know, still, um, sometimes it's, it's not even that crazy out there. It covers a lot of things and they've been doing it for a long time and they're both, uh, from Austria. So anyway, check that out if you have interest in that, because I, I think it's one of the most authoritative podcasts that sort of cover a lot of those things and they do an incredible amount of research but they recently or we recently listened to an episode that was really interesting because it was talking about the human brain's capacity to deal with variables and take in information and and in ways that have been are just starting to be researched they're finding that like we almost have too much information the amount of information that is available is making it harder uh, for us to actually experience things and understand what we're, we're taking in. One of the things they were saying was that, that humans really only have the mental capacity to, to focus on two issues at a time. And they were sort of highlighting political issues, right? Like, and this is, this is one of the reasons that so many of us, uh, the political situation uh, the just social situation seems so tense and people are not getting along because we are bouncing around issue to issue without any of us really being experts. And it doesn't mean that we're not fighting for the right things and it doesn't mean we're on the, not on the right side of history, but we don't truly become experts in any of these things that we emotionally feel, right? An example would be, say, that okay, so back... Back a couple decades ago, I'm not sure how far back you'd have to go. I haven't read the book they were citing, but someone might be an environmentalist and, and they would sort of classify themselves as that. And that would sort of be their main focus of their social, socially progressive issues. They wanted to save the world. And th those, those specialists still exist and they usually lead the fight for each of these issues. But now we all consider ourselves specialists on every single issue. Right? So uh, the, the 24 hour news cycle and social media has us jumping from issue to issue, and we basically only stop long enough on them to start fighting with one another, where we become angry and we drive each other farther apart and polarize our you know, diametrically uh, opposed viewpoints. But we, we don't ever do anything to find conclusion to those arguments. So let's take some recent events, say the, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. People immediately developed a, just in a flash, they made a snap judgment about their very strong feelings about foreign policy for this people, you know, and here's the thing, I'm not even going, going into which is right or which is wrong. I'm going to say most people, myself, a hundred percent included, have and had so little background background knowledge of those issues before they, they started. Most of us wanted to have a hot take the day that it hit the new, the day that Russia crossed the border into Ukraine. And, and I'll say, I did. I searched for mine. I made mine up. I tried to find one that was very contrary to the majority because that's often the take, the, the perspective I like to take. Um, I was, I wasn't, 
convicted of it, uh, in my opinion. It was more of like, what does everybody think? Oh, let's let's support Ukraine. Let's oppose Russia. And so, my my um, opinion was not supporting Russia, but I definitely sort of took the take and voiced it a little bit, mostly in a comedic sense. But I was like, hey, are we sure Ukraine is the bad guy? Uh, I didn't get the answer to that before we're on to the next issue, right? Um, let's say that was the economy, you know, like weeks later, it's the economy. Um, it's the gas prices are rising, which are related. Most of us still haven't actually done enough research to understand the nuance of what affects gas. But like, I, we all know a little bit, enough to formulate dangerously strong opinions and be mad at people that don't agree with those. But did I... Did I ever solve that issue in my head or, or finish having that conversation with anybody? No. Why? Because the next week, we had Oscar scandals, right? And let me tell you, do any of you remember uh, what happened to Oscar Pretorius? No, you don't. Um, you probably don't even remember what, who that is unless you listened to the podcast a couple weeks ago right? And then what happens? Before we even figured out what we thought about that, uh, Dave Chappelle gets tackled on stage. And then we start talking, like, people start trying to make this connection about two comedians getting attacked within the span of uh, One, let's slow down. There is a history of performers getting attacked for, for a really long time. But people wanted to say that um, condoning Will Smith's behavior, which I am, again, not going out on a limb on this podcast, making a stance either way. That was a very, very nuanced and unique situation. But when people say that that is going to set a precedent for people uh, attacking comedians on stage, I personally, and I could be wrong about this, I don't believe one event like that is setting a precedent for some terrible behavior. I think we look for a pattern. We, we saw two people that happened to be attacked in, in the course of a couple weeks, and people put those together because those happened to be comedians. You know uh, who else is, has been attacked um, as an entertainer? John Lennon. But that did not set a precedent for that. I mean, and, and I'm saying that like there's always been crazy. You can say there's a precedent in history for people being awful, people doing terrible things, and I'm not excusing that. I'm just saying we really need to slow down because, like I was talking about, the episode of Mysterious Universe was saying we really need to spend more time understanding the full scope of one issue before we jump to another. If anybody... I, I don't remember if this is from a Malcolm Gladwell book or Freakonomics. I, th I believe this is from Freakonomics, but there was a experiment or a study done where they were talking about a ice cream business that had something like 18 flavors. And some business guru came in and he was like, you know, your business is not great here. I'm going to help you out. And what he did was actually reduced the amount of ice cream flavors they had down to six, making the choice easier. This is what the book that was cited in the Mysterious Universe episode was completely talking about. It said, it's we are often paralyzed by having too many choices, and sometimes we need to streamline 
the thought process because our human brains are only capable of handling so many things at a time. We give ourselves so much credit for being able to do things. That is one of the reasons why the quality of this podcast has gone down uh, a lot. Um, not in content, I always want to say that, but in my regularity of posting it. Because you can probably tell I have, I have not been consistent in posting it on Wednesdays at midnight, even though it's always been a Thursday, Thursday podcast. Mm, today it's going to be a Friday podcast, uh, technically. Um, but the, the reason for that is I am not truly able to 100% commit myself to doing a podcast and also uh, being a person out in society that does things that are worthwhile because this podcast is so stupid. This is the 99th, y'all, this is the 99th episode. Did y'all know that? You didn't. The 99th episode. Guess what? Guess what? Five more weeks will be the official two years. But, no, six, because one week we had two episodes. We're going to have a super special podcast. The hundredth episode, and it's really weird that things would have a special one hundredth episode when we actually measure most things that are weekly in quantities of years, in which a round number of two years would be a hundred and four, and yet somehow our brains find it more special to say arbitrarily that a hundredth episode of a weekly podcast would be more special than in even two years. All of these numbers being arbitrary anyway. Like, who decided all of these things anyway? If we were still going off the Julian calendar, then I, I don't know what how many weeks uh, of episodes this would be. That would actually be very interesting. I would like to count that out one day. Um, no, then we'd be like on our second. But uh, So it's, it's interesting if you understand how calendars and human timekeeping, westernized timekeeping, has worked too because of origi- <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> so you're gonna get stabbed in the back. I'm gonna get stabbed. <laughs> the calendar and Julius I'm, Caesar. <laughs> I don't ask questions in this empire. Don't. All, all those who question the uh, the truth are quickly silenced. <laughs> I just want to say, we're not afraid. Come at us, Brutus. We here at the Silver Linings Playbook... No! We're not the Silver Linings Playbook. Blasphemy! We're the Silver Linings Playcast. The Silver Lin... Wait. The Silver Linings Playbook was a book by Matthew Quick, which was the inspiration for Silver Linings Playbook, the movie. Both of which were the inspiration for the Silver Linings play. Wait, this is really sad. Okay, in 98, 99 episodes in, and I'm just asking myself right now, are we the Silver Linings play cast or Silver Linings play? I really should know that off the top of my head. I am having to literally bring up Apple Podcasts right now to check what did I I decide this was this is really sad. This is how you know the quality has not... Do I... Okay. Um, listeners out there, I, I will give a prize to anyone who can come up with an instance. If you find the episode and the time 
in which I have referred to this as the Silver Linings Playcast. Uh, you know, email us at silverliningsplaycast at gmail.com because apparently I registered this podcast as Silver Linings Playcast. It's not the. There's no article. It's Silver Linings. Have I, Welcome to the Silver Linings Playcast. I'm your host, Jamie. I'm going over the intro now. Oh my goodness. Have have I been misintroing my... <sighs> Do you know... You know the end of M. Night Shyamalan movies? Like, about ten minutes before the credits roll. And the characters usually have this moment where they realize that the, the journey they have been going on for the last 80 to 110 minutes wasn't actually the journey that they thought they were going on. I don't want to equate this completely to an M. Night Shyamalan but movie, but I do want to say uh, how I feel right now about finding out that my podcast is not named what I thought it was not named. I'm going to do a dramatic reenactment of what just went on in my brain. Hey, Jamie, did you know your podcast is just called Silver Linings Playcast? Silver, silver, it's not called the Silver Linings Play. Wait, let me look this up. Oh my goodness, you're, the, the whole time, the whole time, the whole time! Y'all know what movie that was from? Email me and I'll send a prize. Why am I promising a lot of prizes? We've never given out a prize before. This is not a prize podcast. The prize is that there is still a podcast. We're the podcast that keeps going. We're we're the podcast that shouldn't keep going, but is going. The this as long as I'm going, this podcast will be going unless I decide I don't want it. Okay, we should really get back to this list because there is like three pages of list and we are on number two right now. We are on, I told you we're going alphabetically, right? And we are on A, D. Okay, trope number two. Adaptation distillation. Possibly due to Tiffany, and maybe other characters too, being significantly younger than in the book, the time scale of the film is greatly reduced. Tiffany and Tommy were married for three years rather than ten. Pat was in the hospital for eight months rather than four years. Adaptation distillation. That's not really a tro- that's not a trope so much as something that is necessary when you are adapting a book to a screenplay. These are different mediums. The source material has to be adapted. The word adapted is not the same. Uh, that means it's going to change. Adaptation is when something changes to suit its new environment, right? So I don't think it's really fair to call that a trope either. So far, this website is batting zero out of two in my book. All right, number three, age lift. Tiffany is around 39 in the book. In the film, she's played by 21-year-old Jennifer Lawrence, though the character has a vague age somewhere in her late 20s. We just talked about this, and the previous one talked about this, too. Also, they were trying to squeeze out extra... This is one I do... I will give them this one. This is a trope. I don't think her character had to be that young. Um, I do think they made a good casting choice. 
because I think she does it really well. I think this is one of her best roles. I think she had... Hmm. That's real. If you were going to cast somebody else to play the role of Tiffany Maxwell in Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, who would you cast? I think she was the hot actress at the time. She was coming off of, I believe, uh, one or two other pretty acclaimed roles she had, and she went on to be nominated for awards on her next two roles, two, I believe, one or both of them being David O. Russell movies, and then she skyrocketed and became one of the most sought-after actresses for a number of years, too. But I, I don't know if it was really necessary to cast so young for that role in the book. I'm actually in, in the movie. Uh, partially, I wonder, I wonder if they did that to try to get the male audience because they had, um, again, one of the, the stock was skyrocketing. Uh, Bradley Cooper was being starting to get put in all things at that point and very popular. Uh, he was a hot young actor. They were actually awarded one of the most uncomfortable age difference nomination for that award and I believe, what is it, the uh, Women in Filmmaking Awards or something? that An awards category that does point out tropes too. So I guess that's double confirmation. We have double confirmation bias that this is a trope, but it is a trope. Um, and uh, <laughs> all right, are, are we? Uh, oh man! Well, you know what? I do claim that we are the most consistent uh, Silver Linings Playbook podcast of all the. Silver Linings-based play <coughs> book podcasts. Unfortunately, we're also probably the least consistent, right? We exist as both both of those at the same time, since I imagine we're the only one. If there is any other Silver Linings Playbook-based podcasts out there, uh, let's, let's fight. Hashtag let's fight. All right. Trope number four. All take and no give. Tiffany discusses how she can give someone everything and then still feel empty afterwards due to people's habit of doing this. I do this time after time after time. I do all this shit for other people, and when I wake up and I'm empty, I have nothing. Also, lampshaded in that, Pat expected Tiffany to give his ex-wife a note without giving anything in return as a gesture of friendship. Oh, wait, did I even finish talking about that? How hard it is to make a... So... Let's, let's skip back to what I was talking about for the first 30 minutes of the podcast, even though I'm supposed to be going over a list. But hold on, let's, let's count how many tropes there are to get through in the, the final segment of this podcast. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Ooh, wow. Um, you know how I said we we're going in alphabetical order? There's a whole page of A's. There's a whole, and it is in 12-point aerial font in LibreOffice, which I'm not endorsing, but I do use it because it is a free open source uh, Microsoft Word alternative that I was turned on to by um, 
good friend I used to work for. I'm not saying a good friend that I used to work for because I used to work for him. I'm saying a good friend because I, I did meet him. Uh, no, wait, I met him before I worked for him. So that is not even how I met him. He's, he's a good friend that I happened to work for at one time over the course of our friendship. Uh, he is from Vancouver. And he, uh, why was I thinking of him? Because he had told me about the show Taskmaster uh, a number of years ago. And I just watched it for the first time last night, and it is delightful. It is a funny show. It is a it's sort of like one of a reality game show where five five uh, British comedians and um, are given different random tasks that are sort of like very basic reality show type tasks to accomplish sort of like an amazing race type of thing or a fear factor thing but maybe less cringy but they're not always given very specific rules or instructions on how they're supposed to accomplish that task so so they're deciding how to accomplish that task in and of itself is part of the task which reminds me about my podcast about uh psychological thrillers where you remember when we had the quote the the ob the, uh, figuring out what the objective of the game is, the objective to the game, uh, which is a really great movie. I I love that movie. I rewatch that movie probably once every five years. Uh, one of Michael Douglas's best films. Given the fact that I have not seen, is it called uh, Falling Down? I think I know. I know that Nick. And Conrad have both told me to watch that movie. It is really great, and I have never watched it. But I've heard, I, I hear a lot of people tell me it's really great, and they think that I would really like it. And I'm kind of concerned about why uh, numerous people would think that that is the kind of movie that I want to see. Not because I specifically... Uh, like, I'm, I'm flattered that enough people know me and and sort of care about me enough to think that they know of something that I would be interested in. But when I watch the trailer from it, it doesn't look like something I completely understand why they would say, hey, I think you would like this movie. It, it's like if, if, everybody, if everybody that you knew all of a sudden came to you and was like, hey, I think you would you'd really like the movie Final Destination. And you're like, why? Because they like horror movies? And then all of them just in unison are like, no, because you're really clumsy and we're very worried that you're going to die in some accident with a household appliance. And be like, oh. And that's sort of the feeling I get when people tell me that I would really like Falling Down, except maybe also I don't know why I would like it. I'm saying that because trailers are wonderful tools to try to explain why somebody will like a piece of media that is a 90 to two, 90 minute to two hour investment of their time. But also sometimes when you're having to adapt or you're having to, what is it called? Adaptation distillation, like a full movie to a trailer, you have to cut things. You have to re reshape and recategorize your product. You have to give people an idea of the tone. You have to give them sort of a, a taste of what it's going to be like so that they choose to invest their time on your product. So that is a totally understandable thing. Silver Linings Playbook being a movie that I feel whose trailer 
did not do a good job portraying what it was. I would have watched this movie far sooner if it had had a different trailer, I think. I thought that the trailer made it look like it was going to be a stupid uh, sort of uh, personal redemption sports movie about an injured quarterback who was too old to play. I was thinking of um, the Mark Wahlberg movie, I believe. I'm not actually sure if that's what the Mark Wahlberg movie is about, because I did not see it. I've only seen the trailer, ironically. I do know that Mark Wahlberg was in the next David O. Russell movie. Uh, the f- Wait, the it might have been the one before. I'm not sure if... if I don't remember. I'm getting confused. Because the fighter, I believe, I believe he wrote them in a different order than he made them. But I believe that he wrote the fighter after Silver Linings Playbook, but released it before. I might have that reversed. That is actually a movie about a down-and-out athlete who that makes... So that's kind of weird. I didn't want to watch... I'm just, I didn't want to watch Silver Linings Playbook... Because I thought it was a movie that the fighter literally was, and yet, the tra- I don't think I actually saw the trailer for the fighter ever. I might have. Oh, you know what? I do remember. I saw the trailer for the fighter, and I didn't want to see it, because I, the trailer for the fighter makes the fighter look like the exact movie it is. And yet, I liked the movie. Why? Uh, I re- not ironically, that's not the right use of the word. I like the movie The Fighter because it was set in Boston. <laughs> it was, it's kind of like the Boston Baked Bean of the, of movies. It's sort of like, yeah, this is good. How did Katie describe it? Did she say, like, these are exactly what they are, um, which is they're not, not they're not good, but they're not, they're not good, they're not, yeah. Yeah, it was a very... They're not good, but they're not great. It was like an intensely apathetic review. Yeah, like, like, they're not good, but they're It was like... I, th- I think the best thing is just to use fewer words in the, in, in the review. You just be like, these things are... Period. Just like, yeah. they, they are. They exist. They're, they're a real product. They do. Not everything has to be good or bad. Like, I don't... Why do we, why do we always have to categorize... You know? Like, hey, do you like grass? Um, See, but it, I don't it exists. Do you it's, like? It's like they're they're teetering on like these could be good for a second, but then they're bad, or they're they're not so good. They're, they're like, like all in the same. Here's here's uh, where I think they really missed the mark. We're talking about Boston baked beans uh, for a second. Um, so peanuts are amazing. I love peanuts. Yeah. I love peanut butter. I hope I'm pronouncing that clearly for y'all. Peanuts. I like peanuts. Oh, you, uh, see, you're eating peanut butter, right? And a Boston baked bean is like, hey, you know your favorite thing? Let's it's like put a jelly bean. It is. It's like a, like, a, like a harder jelly bean wrapped around with a peanut you, inside. Yeah. Do you know what I've always had a question about? The original jelly beans, that, like, don't, that, like, all just taste like sugar, but, like, they didn't seem to be as color-coordinated with flavor as, like, like now jelly beans... Here's here's my prediction. I'm going on a limb right. What is it? It is it is the 13th of May, 2022. 13th. I think that like insanely gourmet jelly beans is gonna be the next cake, 
Not not in the sense of things that aren't supposed to be jelly beans or jelly beans. Actually, I, I sort of missed this trend. It already happened. Jelly belly belly beans. Right? It's, that's it. I feel like... I feel like they... they jelly belly jelly beans. Companies try to make jelly beans way too accurate. Like, they care more about, like, we want this flavor to be what it says it is without thinking, is it good? You understand what I'm saying with that? Like, like when when they started being like, guess what? We can make make jelly beans that taste like olive oil and people eat them and like, well, they do taste like olive oil, but like, I don't want to eat that. And Jelly Belly. with those loaded teas for all the... Yeah. <laughs> jelly Belly was really the company too because I think uh, I, I was about to... Make fun I'll of their buttered popcorn, but I kind of do like the buttered popcorn one. I, I knew you were gonna go um, there too. That one and the juicy but pear. like that was the f but that was the first one I realized about like what is the purpose of making a jelly bean taste like that when you can actually eat the actual buttered popcorn? But also that they they made it trendy or exactly. more interactive because they would even put like flavor combinations on the back of it, so you would have to eat three at a time which, instead of just one. At which a time. is a good gimmick. It's a great gimmick. They, yeah, because they oh, I like, like I used to like the, the chocolate and peanut butter and thing, yeah. ones, right? But the, like, the like the Harry Potter ones too had these really specific flavors, and and they were supposed to be known for being gross. They had yeah. like um, well, some of them were gross. Pickle. Uh, now it's a trend. But yeah, and that's the thing. So I think it's like, you know, um, jelly beans were good. In, in the same way that people are making fun of like too many things are cake, there's a whole show, Is It Cake or Not?, which I actually was binge watching in the hotel at the Writers' Conference because it was oddly captivating. Um, it wasn't good though. That was really filler TV. That was like, hey, if you can't, if I wanted to hear a voice, I was. Lonely because hanging out with... Oh, I usually give updates about what's going on in my life and my life life, and I forgot. Whoa, there's been a lot of stuff going on. So, a cut, like, last week, actually, you know what? Uh, let's save what happened last week for next week. Basically, skipping over this week, we have about, um, I would say, a good... 300 more items to get through on this list and we have just a couple minutes to try to get them in so we're gonna go super fast and see how many tv tropes because i don't i don't want a trope of this podcast to be that i start doing lists and i don't finish them i'm not trying to do that to be funny i really have usually gone on tangents so many times i just yeah. remember the thing that i was going to start the podcast for okay so i need to explain this because it's really important. It's actually the overriding important thing. Several minutes before I got started doing this podcast, we were having conversations uh, that that got really like intensely philosophical very briefly in a moment. And one of them was that I said, I don't mind if there's distractions or tangents in the podcast. I want if there's noises in the background. And this all is because I think that acknowledging that this podcast is happening in the real world, in life, uh, is an important aspect of the podcast. This podcast doesn't happen in a bubble. Sometimes there's jackhammering going on. Sometimes there's sirens. I don't know. Sometimes people are coughing. There was some time somebody was drilling uh, while I was not actually recording this podcast, but I, I was on the microphone this is the Silver Linings Playcast. No, oh. this is Silver Linings Playcast, folks. Um, 
we take place in the world. We know when events are going on. It's not a weekly podcast in the sense that we're going to talk about what's going on in the world every week. There's news podcasts for that. We're very much stuck solely on a movie that was from 2011 and a book that was 2008. Like, we, we are living in the past as ever. But time keeps going on. Uh, we, you know, we're in a Western civilization that goes off of the calendar that was has evolved from different, uh, you know, types of... Oh, yeah, I was talking about that, too. Um, about how, like, originally, the, the, that's why there's ten... There's twelve months, but, like, only ten of them correspond with the the roots of the words that make up those months, like December, supposed to be the 10th month, is the 12th month, but the name of it refers to it as the 10th month because there was more months at... But what I was getting to was before this podcast, I said I wanted to start this podcast talking about how... If y'all don't know by now, this is episode 99. I let whatever happens happen. And I'm pretty proud of the fact that this is almost over... And we actually stayed pretty on topic talking about Silver Linings Playbook. Maybe not the most Silver Linings Playbook podcast ever. But we were definitely talking about technical SLP stuff for way more than we have. Such as the time when I counted down the top ten Christopher Nolan films. That had nothing to do with what was even going on then. Why would I do that? Nobody's coming to the Silver Linings podcast. Period. That sentence actually doesn't need any more information. Um, so I had just gotten excited a couple minutes ago because I remembered. I uh, Katie had asked me what I wanted to start my podcast with, and I couldn't remember. And in a just a moment of fortuitous clarity, pretty close to the end, I remembered what I wanted to start it with. So. If you listen to this backwards, it won't make sense. Not because it's out of order, but because words don't actually work that way. If you play audio backwards, this would be completely, uh, you know, ununderstandable. Because that's, unless you're speaking in actual palindromes the whole time, which would be a very David Lynchian thing. Ooh, we should do a miniseries on David Lynch, because I love David Lynch. Uh, David, also David Finch, er, who, um, made, so also we just watched, uh, wait, no, I had like 400 more things to go over in this, I said I didn't, so I guess the biggest trope is apparently every week I'm going to try to get to a list and I'm not going to finish it, you know what, maybe we're not going to finish this trope list, or maybe we'll do like one, maybe that will be the segment, we'll be, we'll do the trope of the week from Silver Linings Playbook, instead of hold ourselves to try to go through a list of 400 different... That, wow, this is more... I thought it was four pages. It is 11 pages. And I was saying, 12-point font, 12-point 12, 12 text aerial font on, on a full page, 11 pages. Most of these examples, too, are only one or two lines long. Some of them are one. These lists, this is really long list. There's no way we could have gotten through all of these probably if I had even stayed on topic. But, but we did get through like four. So we only have, I think, 396 to go, which is good. 
because that will take us through our next season. Next week, we we literally are going to have a very special episode. I know that we usually have them on Wednesday at midnight. I, I'm going to be honest right now. I can't promise you when next week's is coming out. Um, I can tell you, though, it's coming out at Wednesday at midnight. I always have a very difficult time. If you say Wednesday at midnight, does that mean Tuesday at zero, 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 zero? Or does that mean... Time is just the word. Who invented this stuff? I don't know how... I'm an adult, right? Uh, One time, the U.S. government... I'm not saying they trusted me, but I'm saying they did... Enough people signed off on my paperwork that they sent me to a foreign land where somebody decided that 200 people should should uh, have me helping them make decisions about what they should be doing to try to fight their political enemies, right? I'm not bragging about that. I just want to say that is the same person that a decade and a half later doesn't understand if he says Wednesday at midnight, if he is talking about the end of a 24-hour period that he calls Wednesday and then waited till 11.59 p.m. uh, to change to Thursday, or if it was the point on the clock where he had experienced 23 hours and 59 minutes of Tuesday, waits for 60 seconds, and then watches the calendar change to Wednesday. I don't want... I, I... have podcasts talking about existentialism. I have podcasts talking about nihilism, uh, romanticism. I have discussed Pascal, uh, the mathematician, and wait. I have um, a lot of things. Not saying I'm smart. I'm saying I'm pretty dumb. Let's wrap this up. This is getting off the rails right at the... That's not the... Getting off the rail... Getting off track. Is getting off the... Going off the rails. Going off the rails, off off the rails getting off the track, which is weird because that's too, like, train analogy. Oh, because... Tra- Damn, I just understood why they use a train. Because it's on tracks. And it can only go one direction the tracks. That's that's why they don't use boats. Boats can go any direction. No, well, here, you want to know a weird thought I just had? This, I promise, this is my last weird thought, and then we're going to close this episode out. All right? <laughs> a, a boat can go, I want you, I want you to visualize this, all right? Uh, imagine you're on on a boat, you are a boat, right? And you're floating in the ocean. You know what's interesting? That boat can go any direction in 360 degrees on a flat plane. And that's pretty neat. But a boat can only go one direction uh, on a vertical plane, (laughs) which is down, which is kind of sad. It's like a boat will will, will always be at zero degrees vertically unless it fails, in which it can fail as far down as the ocean is. I'm not sure if I'm explaining this clearly, but this is also a product of what happens when 
you wait till the last. All right, I'm calling. I love y'all so much for listening. Uh, tune in next week and every week as long as I keep doing this for all the latest on Silver Linings Playbook the movie and the Silver Linings Playbook the book. I promise I probably have a whole bunch of exciting news about things going on in my personal and professional life, but we will have to get to those next week because we've already covered way too much irrelevant stuff this week. And we haven't gone over a murder suspect in the Black Dahlia case in a while. Uh, so if we're still going to solve that case, even if it's a cold case, decades later, we have got to get on that. Actually, we don't because slow is smooth. Okay. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, until next time, we will see you down the road and Excelsior. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping Kennedy really messes with his brain. One is divorced. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a silver linings play cast.